If you're not unlocking the full value of your SaaS, what are you doing? There is no denying it. SaaS is mission critical to your company's growth and success. And as the number two operating expense for most organizations, it's your biggest opportunity to save money and drive efficiency. The time is now to do something about it. Please take this as your personal invitation to join me and your fellow IT, SAM, finance, and procurement leaders at SASME on May 16th, 2023. SASME is the industry's only dedicated SaaS management event where you can sharpen your skills, hear from your peers, and learn how to unlock value and responsible business growth through smarter SaaS management. It's virtual, it's free, and it's going to knock your socks off. Register today at sasme.com. That's S-A-A-S me.com. It's time to get your sassing gear. Are you with me? When things started out, we were so far down in like the bottom left corner of a maturity roadmap of we don't know what we have and we don't know what to do with it. So Goal number one was just getting visibility. And then from there, it was, okay, well, now that we have the data, how do we work it in a way that makes sense for Genesis? Because as much as I like the stick approach and the magic wand approach, you can't just start by ripping licenses out of people's hands. Hello, hello, and welcome to SaaS Me Unfiltered, the SaaS management podcast. The show with give it to you straight, real life advice from pros knee deep in SaaS every single day. SaaS management superheroes just like you. Hey, everybody. Corey Wheeler, Chief Customer Officer here at Zylo, joining you. Hello, everyone. My name is Ashley Hickman and joining uh, Corey here today, the Manager of Customer Success at Zylo. Our guest today is someone that is very near and dear to Zylo's heart. She is a fearless leader of progress. And as a software asset manager at Genesis, she's leading the way in progressive enterprise SaaS management. We started working together back in 2020. And in that time, this guest has built and executed a best-in-class SaaS management program centered around visibility, optimization, and results. She's got an interesting background combining sourcing and procurement with asset management and has parlayed that into a SAM program rooted in the fundamentals of enabling the business to move fast while ensuring that value and adoption are maximized. And most importantly, she was awarded the incredibly prestigious SaaS Management Superhero of the Year Award by Zylo last year at our inaugural SaaS Me 21 Industry Conference. So welcome to the SaaS Me Unfiltered podcast, Samantha Griffin. Thank you for having me. I don't know how to even live up to that sort of introduction. So thank you. Listen, you know, you're know royalty. Everybody knows Samantha Griffin. When we bring up best practices, you know, we have a lot of customers that say, what's the best practice here? And a lot of the things that you've done internally at Genesis are things that we reference each and every day. So thanks to you for being that SaaS superhero. Thanks. I should have worn like a crown or a cape or yeah. something. <laughs> we'll send you a love QR it. after this, Sam. So don't worry. <laughs> well, would love to for myself, but really for all the listeners out there, if you could, I've had the pleasure you know, of working with you and with the Genesis team, but would love to hear a little bit just about kind of Genesis before we get kicked off and really diving into your experience here today. You could frame up kind of what, what y'all are doing over there at Genesis. 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, Genesis, I like to joke that we're one of the larger tech companies that I feel like a lot of people somehow haven't heard of. We're about 7,500 employees globally at this point in time. We're headquartered in Daly City, California. We've got a huge office in Indy, which is how I get to know you fine folks. And um, we're in the Gartner Magic Quadrant for Contact Center as a Service. So we have a lead cloud-based offering where you know, you're calling into ABC company, they tell you to press one, two or three to speak to an agent. Uh, we're running the software that's behind that fun piece of uh, phone calls right there. And then they're also doing a lot of really great and innovative things with chatbots, AI, things of that nature as well right now. Fast growing, right? I think you guys have had quite a bit of growth in the past several years, correct? We've been growing crazy fast just in the past three or so years. Yes. Yeah, that's awesome. So in terms of your role now, sourcing manager at Genesis, not going to lie, I was creeping on your LinkedIn a little bit and saw that you your career really started off being an archaeological lab assistant to now being a sourcing manager at Genesis. So that's an incredible journey and what a transformation. So for myself, I'm always interested. I have a very like liberal arts background. I'm always interested in myself and like, how do people get to be in the jobs and the roles that they're in now, right? How do people find their career? So would love to hear Sam in terms of going from being in the lab, archaeology to being a Genesis, being a sourcing manager. What did that journey look like? It's funny because the person who hired me into tech uh, still to this day says that I have the dumbest major that he's ever actually extended a full-time hire to. So I take that with a sense of pride. But I graduated with a degree in anthropology and marketing from Ball State, went on to do an MBA program, and had really taken a knack. So I used to work in retail at Best Buy. I did sales for a few years and took a knack to sales and selling sold at a few B2B companies and then made my way into what at the time was interactive intelligence and actually was one of the first people to sell our lead offering now Genesis Cloud as they were rolling it out. So um, it was great to see kind of the the very beginning of what for me was cloud-based software and the pricing models. And people at the time were still very apprehensive to move to the cloud um, for all of the unknown unknowns. I did that for a couple of years. And I feel like anybody who's in sales knows that you can either keep selling and go up market or you can go into sales management. And with everything that I had learned, um, and especially with being on a brand new team, when I saw that we were starting a sourcing team, I was really excited to uh, hold the stick as a buyer for a little while, especially having all of the inside information that I knew about software licensing and comp plans, things like that. I was really excited. And I, I took the role of doing all of the sourcing for our software and technology and a few other categories while we were kind of growing legs and, and building out our sourcing team. And through that is when I learned that we had a lot of opportunity around just kind of the spiraling spend of SaaS. And that's where I came into the, the SAM program now. You're fully in software asset management now, bringing that procurement experience into software asset management as a software asset manager. So maybe tell me a little bit about your role. You are the, the engine internally for the software asset management program at Genesis. So what does that entail? What's your day-to-day and, and what are those strategies you're working on? 
Sure. So my day to day, um, funny enough, I mean, like I live and breathe in Xylo, um, getting a holistic picture of all of the different applications that we're using and what the actual utilization levels, I would say is probably about 30% of my job. Outside of that, it's making sure that we're getting economies of scale for the applications that we are buying, right? Like we don't want 10 different project management applications. If we can help it, we want to make sure that we're consolidating where we can be. Outside of that, looking to, um, So my first two years, I focused on the head, all of our larger projects, our larger spends. And now I'm focusing on the tail. So what's happening with those T&E cards that people are expensing, you know, Spotify or Udemy or something else and making sure that we have process and rigor in place for, for those things. And then even for some of our lead stakeholders who have P cards for some of the, you know, just smaller applications that they typically wouldn't think that they would need like a PO for, for example, and figuring out if we have the right compliance and terms and conditions in place for that as well. The head and the tail. I really, really like that. Tail spend is always some... I mean, my, my next question is, is there a torso? Or is it just head and tail? See, now I'm <laughs> stuck because there should be a torso, right? Right, that's, right. That's a, that's a dad joke right there. <laughs> that was definitely that's a dad a joke. joke. That's that was a dad, dad joke. joke. I think there are torso apps. And maybe that's what I'm going to start calling them now. I think it's the those huge applications. But then there's that middle tier of maybe uh, marketing or HR went out and bought an application that's really only specific to their function. It's not expensed employee software. It's departmental software. So maybe line of business software equals the torso. I like it. I like it. (laughs) Well, that's fantastic. So software asset management, you sit internally in IT, I believe, at Genesis, correct? So I actually sit and report to our VP of procurement. There you go. And I collaborate very closely with IT. Ah, right on. So you're sitting in the procurement organizations today, bringing software asset management practices and sourcing practices together. So maybe then lean in a little bit How do you then partner with IT? What are the main strategies that they're driving versus kind of, you know, historically people would think of procurement, you're driving optimization, ensuring that you've got the right license positions and you're planning and forecasting for the business. But what are those, those primary competencies that you're executing for, for the IT leaders? Sure. So for IT right now, it's it's really a dance of trying to make sure that they have all of the right bandwidth of people in place to be able to manage the applications that they have already. And then taking on what has grown to be something that the individual stakeholders can no longer manage and admin themselves. So um, definitely more of a focus on architectural fit and where we're actually looking to grow as a business, making sure that we're not bringing on applications that aren't cloud-based. Surprisingly enough, you would still we still see a couple of people trying to bring those in. And then making sure that just we have the right rigor around license assignment, um, pulling them back, and then uh, knowing when it's time to grow versus holding off on uh, when there might be a renewal coming up. Effectively, you know, we, we hear a lot about partnership. And so that's that's critically important. And one thing I wanted to hear from you. So you would say SaaS management's got to be a team sport, correct? It's not just siloed in one organization. It is. And it's funny because our kiddo is in first grade and just started playing baseball. And um, when I was thinking about it being a team sport, I was like, it really, it's like every vendor is like the other kids up at bat. And then there's Genesis and like, We've got like our CIO on first base and we've got me playing shortstop and just you have to have everybody in the right place at the right time to be able to block some of these guys because they're selling into the C-suite, they're selling into individual stakeholders. It's, It's absolutely a team sport. 
So one of the reasons that we know, and Corey mentioned this earlier, but one of the reasons that we've had the opportunity to partner with with Genesis has been the tremendous amount of growth that has, you know, that the organization has experienced over the years. You mentioned that 7,500 employees, you're worldwide. That's huge. So a lot of the challenges I know with fast growing organizations is being tasked with doing more with less. This is something even that Corey will task me with sometimes. <laughs> so something that I'm curious to hear for you, Sam, with like in your mentioning, people are really selling in, you know, and providing software, offering software every level within an organization. So for yourself, specifically in software asset management, how do you or how are you able to uh, accomplish and tackle doing more with less? I would say definitely automating what I can, right? So if you consider something like a workflow that we use in Zylo, being able to have access to the information and automate the sending out of the emails to make sure that we're reharvesting the right licenses from the right people it saves me hours. Whereas um, I'm sure you guys know Docker just switched to a paid subscription model uh, that was prior to that free. And given we didn't have that information and we didn't have a way to automate that process. I mean, you're, you're sitting there and you're filling out a Microsoft form survey and you're trying to hunt down all the right people. And you're, you're looking at a footprint of 800 people and trying to ask the right questions that project took months uh, and a workflow takes a couple of minutes. So I would say that's my biggest piece for trying to do more with less. It's all about that automation. I I love it. Doing more with less always fundamentally comes back to automation. And how do we... I get passionate about it. How do we think about the data that you've got to bring together for an effective SaaS management practice? And then what are all of those processes that we can begin to automate? So Sam's kind of... um, I'll call it aggressive. I'll take that risk here. That her aggressive approach assertive, in assertive, assertive approach, way yes. better, way better than aggressive. <laughs> in just driving those practices proactively across her business was really kind of cutting edge. And so automation is that next frontier. Once, once you're able to solve the SaaS management visibility problem, adoption issues, and begin some of that automation, then it's how do we start to take this data out to the rest of the business? So I love the way you're thinking about it. Nope. I was about to say data was my other piece for doing more with less. Um, for instance, I, I was talking about the T&E cards and the P card expensing. We have a great partnership with AP right now, but they have a certain number of reports that they pull from Concur. And frankly, they don't have a lot of bandwidth to be um, helping me with my problems. I mean, you go in and you look at all of the different payments on the Teams tab, and you can see I've got Bobby Sue, who's expensing 60 different applications to the tune of $140,000 a year. And it gives you the opportunity to then prioritize, okay, who are my top three P card holders? Do I need to have those conversations first? So it's very handy. I would say outside of automation, just making sure you have the right data in the right places. Yeah, absolutely. Like prioritization is key because you only have so many hours in a day. So yeah, making sure you know where to start and what's going to be the most useful way, right, to spend your time. So along those lines, when we think of when you are you know, you have some automation in place and prioritization. So in terms of that, and you mentioned it earlier, like wanting to move from essentially that that progression from sales into sourcing and ultimately software asset management, kind of taking, being on the stick end of things, right? So very curious to hear, because I see a range across our customer base who internally within SAM teams, procurement and IT, some take a little bit more of a carrot or a stick approach with um, when it comes to reclaiming licenses when it comes to acquiring new applications or rationalizing them. So curious to hear at Genesis for yourself, what that blend or maybe one or the other, what that looks like, that carrot or stick approach. 
I would love to say carrot because I feel like it's so much nicer and I feel like stick sounds so harsh. So I'm going to say like magic wand because, because I feel like a lot of people don't notice if you take it away and they aren't using it, but they will immediately recoil and say, please don't take my license away. What if I need it nine months from now, if you ask them? And I'm not saying that that fits for every single use case. But there have been a few different opportunities that we've had to just say, what happens if we downgrade the license? What happens if we check in three months from now and they're still downgraded? So I would say stick for us. I love it. I like the magic wand, though, because it's true. Like most people, it's kind of like, right, like a kid, you take away a toy and chances are they're not going to notice because they're just playing with the next toy. So I like that. And it's about mixing that collaborative approach. So while we might say it's the magic wand to pull it away, this gets into best practices that we talk with our customers about each and every day. You know, set the parameters, set the expectations, you know, uh, inactivity on licensing. We're going to periodically and programmatically prune those licenses, bring them back so that we can ensure that we're not buying more that we don't need. And so that we can ensure that we're right-sized and we understand the true value of these applications. So I think it makes a ton of sense to approach it that way. Freedom within a framework is something we preach pretty consistently here at Zylo around you know, allowing people to do what they need to do, but then setting the parameters, taking those actions as needed. And that then creates the ability to then partner with those resources down the road, where if they need that license again, and there's a clear business need, they've got to have access to it. So cleaning those up, as well as being able to reprovision licensing out to the business is is important as part of that full life cycle. Definitely. I think being able to build the trust that if you take it away, that you're going to give it back in a timely manner is huge. Um, That's one of, I would say, the most common responses I get when I send out a workflow email is, if I give it back, can I have it later? And... I think once you get that process in place and everybody trusts that you're not just going to take it away forever, that it's a lot easier. And there's that partnership with IT, right? Yep. You know, where's the provisioning happening, help desk, all of that. So I love the love the practices as well as the collaboration there. We go live with our customers all the time. And usually that initial visibility into their stack, total number of apps, amount of spend, shadow IT, all of that is a bit eye-opening, as we mentioned earlier. And then you're, you start to set goals based on that data. So, you know, we've been working together a few years now. What were the goals when you first started looking at SaaS management when you set off down this road? And have those changed to today? Do you have a, a new set of enhanced goals around your program? And maybe talk a little bit about that. So I would say when things started out, we were so far down in like the bottom left corner of a maturity roadmap of we don't know what we have and we don't know what to do with it. So goal number one was just getting visibility. And then from there, it was, okay, well, now that we have the data, how do we work it in a way that makes sense for Genesis? Because as much as I like the stick approach and the magic wand approach, you can't just start by ripping licenses out of people's hands. So really building communication for how are we utilizing this tool and what are people going to look out for as far as markers for utilization and really thought changing how people are going about using software and buying software. That one's still definitely a goal. Um, I think change management for for software purchasing is is a long-term strategy, not a short-term strategy. But outside of that, I think our other goal was app rationalization. We thought that we had a number of different sales training applications. 
but we weren't certain and we didn't know what the utilization was because you've got a number of different admins across a very siloed organization. And that information was invaluable for helping us to consolidate just on, for instance, Udemy and move forward. That's really good. As everything has kind of evolved, what are the big projects that you are thinking about that you've already started? What, What are the big items that you're tackling right now? I have my sights set on more of our premise-based applications this year. So getting a secondary SAM tool in place to kind of work in tandem with Xylo is what's top of mind for me. I'm going through a proof of concept right now with a, with a vendor, and I hope to have that done soon. And then um, really, like I said, focusing on the tail end of things. I would say IT as a whole is focusing on app rationalization creating a software governance council uh, that we historically haven't had, making sure that we have all of the right stakeholders in the room. Uh, We have a lot of new leadership and they feel very passionately about all of our different software spend. So I'm excited to, to have that done and to, I guess, strategize with them on how to kind of make an easy button for software purchases. We're talking a lot about, um, just having one source of truth in one place for every end user to go to try to request software so that it's easier for us to handle the process piece on the back end. I love everything you're speaking to, Sam, because that's what we see in terms of our customer journey, especially at that large commercial enterprise level, is the evolution you're speaking about is because very often, unless you started cloud first, it's, it's a process to get away from on-prem applications, right? And having that that hybrid approach with on-prem, mirroring that with Xylo, and then having a central source of truth. So love that. And also the progression of the governance board as well. So really excited to hear about, about that. And that's that's really something we see across our customers as they as they just continue to kick ass, basically. So that's awesome. So you mentioned a little bit about going live, even doing your POC, a little surprising. So what was most surprising, you know, when you have 100%, like you have that visibility now into things you know about, you think you know about, don't know about, what was most surprising when you went live? So this is funny because I was actually listening to Corey talk on, I think it was the Software One panel last week. And he had put out a question and said, how many applications do you think your organization has? And I saw that the majority answer was ridiculously small. It was like under 100. 100? Yes. Yes. And frankly, if you would have asked me two years ago, I probably also would have answered that. And when I saw, I was like, oh, we have over 600. Easy. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And that was that was the biggest thing for me. I was not only surprised, but kind of embarrassed. That's funny. It's consistent. We see that across our customer base today when we're talking, you know, in the industry. So I think it's the availability of data, having the data at your fingertips. And this is not easy data to pull together to understand all of the finances, all of the utilization, all of the entitlement information. Data is power. And and I think in in the modern progressive organization, owning that data and and getting insights out of that data is critical. It's no longer a nice to have. So one thing that we spoke about at the top, you know, talked about the SAS me. So that, of course, you won. That was our our first industry conference that Xylo had last year. And in addition to the awards that we handed out, we had a lot of panels, right? We really wanted to gather up people, have those thought leadership discussions. And we had some amazing, amazing speakers, you being one of them, on our panel, uh, defining your career with SAS management. So this is something that 
just across the board, we're seeing more and more people dedicated to SaaS management. And it's not just traditional SAM, right? Instead, we have SAM, right, with software asset management. So on that panel, um, it ended up being like not intentionally on our part, it ended up being a full female-led panel. And I mean, myself working in IT for a number of years, not a product company, I'm very much used to being kind of like the only female in the room on the project, on the team. So very curious to hear from from you, very, very much a pioneer in the space. We have a lot of really strong individuals you know, female and male, but we had very much a powerhouse female-led panel. So would love to hear a little bit from your perspective on really, you know, being a pioneer in the space, defining the space and, and the sort of leadership and support that you receive at Genesis. Yeah, I would love to talk about it. I think it's funny that yeah. you mentioned the female-led panel because it didn't occur to me until afterwards. Yeah. And I feel like I see that a lot of the time. If I'm, if it's only women in a room, I'll take a second to recognize that. And I don't know if if anybody else does, but it always catches me just a little bit off guard even now. But I would say as far as the support that I receive at Genesis, it's been astounding. I think once you prove one, that you know what you're talking about and two, that there's an opportunity, whether it's being risk averse or saving money or really just providing a more holistic architecture picture for, you know, something like IT it's not very difficult to rally the troops behind you and to get support budget. However, that's a a whole other conversation, but it comes with time. You know, one thing that I think has helped me is trying to, it doesn't matter where you start, if it's a large project or a small project, but I would always recommend picking something that is um, not a contentious project. I wouldn't immediately go into choosing do we really want to strategize around Microsoft Teams or Slack? Like oh, that's not yeah. where I would recommend starting yeah, your yes, use case yes, at yes. all. Like lots um, will come out for that, yeah. But finding something that it's going to be difficult for people to say no to, um, if you're able to provide a solution for it, it was my was my number one thing that I did. So in terms of, so wanted to speak and speak a little bit about the panel, but also the award. So this was something that all of the SaaS consultants. So we support our customers with SaaS consultants here at Silo, making sure that they're getting the expertise that they need. And one of the things after SaaS me, people got pretty competitive and they are like, I want to be SaaS superhero. Like that was 100% hands down. People were asking us about like, how do I get to be like nominated or considered? But for everyone who's listening today, what sort of mindset or things would be helpful to be considered just in general for a SaaS superhero at your organization or maybe by Xylo? See, this is funny because when I got that award, I was like, oh, I wonder who's going to get the award. I yeah. want to <laughs> see who the winner is. So I would say as far as being a SaaS superhero in your own organization, Having the conversations with your end users, I mean, it doesn't have to be formalized or even a strategic conversation, knowing firsthand what our salespeople are using and aren't using was huge for me. I mean, from being in sales, I can be like, okay, I know we use Salesforce, but I know we're not using XYZ prospecting tool. And if me and my 10 closest other sales colleagues aren't using it, I can go ahead and probably assume that I can make the business case up to the stakeholder. So making sure that you have, I guess, boots on the ground is the best way to say it. But having people to talk to who are going to give you a realistic overview of what they are and aren't using. is huge. So it sounds like you started with a lot of credibility because you did like you were in the trenches, right? So people... One, you're you're only trying to help them and then, you know, really be strategic and intentional about providing them with the best technologies possible. Definitely. So, Corey, anything else before we get into rapid fire? 
No, I think this has been a great overview, Sam, of your career, the place where SaaS management lives internally at Genesis. You've given some great nuggets around how to engage with the business and how it's a team sport. So I want to thank you for, for jumping in today. And this is kind of a, you know how we've closed out all of our podcasts thus far. And it's a really fun way to kind of associate. So this is a little bit of word association, provide a, a, a single word, a sentence back, but your first thoughts that come to mind when we throw out each of these concepts. Are you ready? I hope so. All right. So favorite SaaS application? If we're talking about just something on my phone, I'm addicted yeah. to TikTok. Oh, okay. Like that. And if you had to pick one... For work and it doesn't, I mean, it could be Xylo, it doesn't have to be Xylo. It would be Xylo. Oh, so <laughs> I mean, that, that was the right answer, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, name a person that you look up to or admire and why? Oh, that's my mom. And oh, because mom. I think you guys have talked about doing a lot with a little, and I feel like that was our entire mentality growing up. And I just want to be like half as cool as she is someday. Awesome. Also, the right answer. Yes. That's always the right answer. What is one thing you love about what you do? One thing I love about what I do is the immediate gratification of it, honestly. Yeah. I don't have a I don't have a long attention span. So to see like (laughs) the immediate effects of like pulling or helping or closing a contract, that's the win. Yeah. Type A, checkbox, feel good about that. I love it. Yep. What right now are you listening to, watching, reading that everybody needs to know about? Oh man. Or just your favorite. No, I love Crime Junkies podcast. They're actually yes. Indianapolis based. I love them. I know the host Ashley Flowers, she has a number of other spin-offs that I'm gonna dig into because I've I think I've like worn out my welcome on that podcast. I've listened to every single episode. That's my number one recommendation. So next, optimist or realist? Realist. I love it. That's generally where the procurement Sam footprint sits. Like they're they're in the trenches. Uh so that's that fits. Quality or quantity? Pretty vague one there for you. Quality. Always, right? Always. <laughs> Sam, thank you so much for being able to come on today, share a little bit of your story on the SAS Me Unfiltered podcast. We're lucky to have you as a customer. We're excited about the future and, and watching what you do at Genesis. We can't thank you enough for joining us today on the show. Thank you so much for having me, you guys. This is a blast. Yeah, thank you. Talk to you soon. Did you enjoy the episode? Pass it along to your friends. Subscribe to get notifications for the latest episode. Share your favorite takeaways and join the conversation on social media using hashtag SASMeUnfiltered. Unfiltered.